Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Some councils are auditing schools and urging a ban on the terms boy and girl. For those who are in an open or polyamorous relationship, your relationships are holy. A gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman. We don't want to just win the argument about sexuality. We want to use this as a gospel opportunity. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's go talk about the book we all read. You know they're dangerous. Take a look, it's in a book. So many books, so little time. Ain't that the truth? This is Wretched Radio. Why in the world is the world kaprits? That is the question most of us who observe a world that is unraveling are asking. Carl Truman seeks to answer that question in a book titled Strange New World. It's the shorter version of his longer work. I am in the middle of this particular book, and it does what very few philosophers do. Most philosophers or university professors who teach philosophy have a tendency to download these big ideas that, frankly, I don't even know if the original philosophers understood. It's thinking that makes you go, okay, uh, I guess I kind of see, yes, okay, sort of, I get that. And it becomes a headache. Carl Truman takes it off the top shelf, brings it down, and applies it. Now, if you've been a student of philosophy, even at all, or throughout the years, have listened to us talk about the different eras of philosophy from the age of reason, empiricism, We have talked about romanticism. It is an overlooked period of time which gave birth to this devil called postmodernism. How did those ideas get forwarded? Well, I think we need to remember theologically that the prince and the power of the air is the one who concocts these things, uses tools, human beings, to share big ideas that are new and are contrary to contemporary thinking and to traditional thinking. And sometimes they catch on, sometimes they don't. But when they do, look out. They are going to make their way down from the philosopher's noodle to academia and then into the marketplace, typically via Hollywood, books, music, literature. It happened hundreds of years ago with the Romantic period, and of course it happens today, an era in which we are seeing everything completely flipped upside down, and it raises a question. How did we get here? How did this happen? Carl Truman, Strange New World, he tackles the subject quite admirably. It is a book that, quite honestly, I I almost think it's a must-read these days. This is the foreword from Ryan Anderson. In Strange New World, Truman uncovers and describes the deep underlying social and intellectual forces that explain why his grandfather would have rejected these wild claims without a second thought. While President Biden declares transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. What? Are you kidding me? Fifty years ago. This transgenderism was identified as a mental illness. Today, it must be affirmed and praised. How did we get here? 
That's what Carl Truman seeks to answer. As he rightly observed, we become a society of self. It is my conviction that there is something that helps to unify the changes we are witnessing and to make them, if not entirely explicable, at least less random than we might be tempted to think. So you're wondering, why is this going on? There's, there's an explanation for it. It's not easy to get there, but there is an explanation. And his road and his path, incidentally, is through philosophy. Now, that is not to exclude other contributors to our current sociological malaise. Theological is another issue. You, you've also got issues of the Industrial Revolution, the Technological Revolution. You've got transportation that didn't used to exist, communication. All of these things contribute. But Carl does a bang-up job of focusing on philosophy, which is usually a subject that makes your head crack open like a melon, which are in season right now. Carl Truman, this is the notion of the self. This is what explains so much. And the self connects to three other concepts of relevance to his narrative. Expressive individualism, the sexual revolution, and the social imaginary, and he defines what that is later because it's odd to use an adjective as a noun, but that's the society that we live in. When I use the term self in this book, I'm referring not to the common sense way of using the term, but rather to the deeper notion of where the real me is to be found. And as we're going to hear the whole idea of the real me, let you be you, I'm amazing, I I I can do anything. Jean-Jacques Rousseau was perhaps the chief original author of this type of ideology. Self, inward, me, what I want. Why don't we have much patriotism? Because that's a collective. We live in an individualistic society. And we are trained to think that way because that is the way that we are being encouraged to think. And so he defines the self instead, not to the common sense way of using the term, but to the deeper notion of where the real me is to be found, how that shapes my view of life, and in what the fulfillment of happiness of that real me consists. Make someone happy? No. Make myself happy. That's our world. Am I, for example, to be understood primarily in terms of my obligations toward and dependence upon others? Oh, oh. Does education consist in training me in the demands and expectations of the wider culture, shaping me into that which will serve the community at large? Is growing up a process by which I learn to control my feelings? To act with restraint and sacrifice my desires to those of the community around me? <laughs> you know what the answers are. Or am I to understand myself as born free, not like a lion, but born free and born good, by the way, and able to create my own identity? Different philosophers have different takes on it, but our current culture and the problem with progressivism and liberal politics is that they see people as basically good, born free, that they should be able to do what they And it's just the society and the culture that wrecks them. That, again, has its roots in romanticism. 
the world? Am I to understand myself as born free and able to create my own identity? Does education consist in enabling me to express outwardly that which I feel inwardly? That's the modern self. What's going on inside of me? That's the real me. And I need to express it. And if you get in the way of that, I'll kill you. And that's really not much of an exaggeration, frankly. Does education consist in enabling me to express outwardly that which I feel inwardly? Is growing up a process not of learning restraint, but rather of capitalizing on opportunities to perform? And we know the answer. We answered it one way. The, the current culture is answering it another way. The modern self assumes the authority of inner feelings and sees authenticity as defined by the ability to give social expression to the inner me. The modern self also assumes that society at large will recognize and affirm this behavior. Such a self is defined by what is called expressive individualism. Go to a t-shirt shop. You're going to see some of that expressive individualism. How did we get t-shirts that praise self? We have to go back in time. We have epics of history. And for the most part, even though it's always a little slipperier on the edges, it's always hard to bookmark a particular era. But we were living in a culture that was confused, that was dark, uh, that was primitive. Along came Christianity, and this is, this is not an oversimplification. Along came Christianity and started pulling people up, downloading divine thinking into our human brains. And society increasingly got better. But along came an event that contributed to the ability to ask, hey, are we sure this whole Christian thing is a good idea? And that, of course, was the Protestant Reformation. One of the effects of the Protestant Reformation, while overall good, was that it allowed unbelievers or skeptics to go, so let me get this straight. You guys don't even agree on this? You can question the church? You can question the Pope? You can question the Bible? Well, then I guess we can too. And we were off to the races. It was the age of reason, the beginning of the age of self, but it really came into sharper focus during the era of Romanticism, which was in response to the era of Empiricism. Too much science, too much logic, too much reason. What about the heart? What about me? What about myself? How's about my feelings? And there were popularists of this. Think the romantic poets, Byron, Shelley, Keats, Wordsworth, also romantic. There were, there were orchestral pieces that are romantic, paintings that are romantic, literature that is romantic, because it focuses more on nature and feelings and self. And from that, then, became an increasing questioning of what is true, hence postmodernism. And now we are seeing it in full bloom. We are seeing romanticism, which led to postmodernism, not only in technicolor display, but in dominating our society. And it is everything that is the opposite of what you and I used to think was right. How did we get here? We're going to let Carl Truman Help us answer that question next on Wretched Radio. 
So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable, biblical, health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate your time. Did you know there is actually something in existence that gives you information on things happening at Wretched? Things like upcoming product launches or details on upcoming seasons of our productions of Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread. Also, information on job openings here at Wretched. Information on upcoming sales in the Wretched store. What I'm referring to is the monthly Wretched newsletter. If you're not already receiving the Wretched newsletter, you're missing out on all of these things and more. The Wretched newsletter also contains thorough and in-depth messages on a wide range of theological topics, and that's not all. As a Wretched newsletter subscriber, you're also eligible for resources that we give away daily here at Wretched. So sign up and don't miss out on any of this stuff by becoming a Wretched newsletter subscriber by visiting our website at wretched.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and fill out the form. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Master's Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Important dates in Christian history. 432 AD. After escaping years of slavery in Ireland as a young man, Patrick, a British Christian, returns to Ireland as a missionary. His work results in multitudes of Irish people coming to the Christian faith. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Me, 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 me. Oh, hello. This is Wretched Radio. Wasn't warming up. Just using my favorite pronoun, me, followed by myself, and on occasion, I, if I need to be the subject, which frankly, I always am. Why? Because we are living in a postmodern world that has produced the idea of self-actualization, genuine authenticity. Don't we need, don't we need authenticity? Carl Truman 
in a book that helps to understand the age that we live in called Strange New World. It is well worth your time to read it. To follow the stream of philosophy in Western civilization, who were the big question askers who then offer different answers, which have led to the current confusion that exists in our culture? How did we get here? In part, there are other contributors, but in part, philosophy, it, 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 it permeates the world. There is, there is a, a zeitgeist. There is a cultural understanding of the way that things ought to be. And the way things ought to be right now look a whole lot different than the way we thought things really were about two minutes ago. Carl Truman's book, Defining Expressive Individualism. Expressive individualism holds that each person has a unique core of feeling and intuition that should unfold or be expressed if individuality is to be realized. We moved in Western society from understanding the collective, whether it was nation, whether it was local community, whether it was church, whether it was family. You had a connection to those things and you had responsibility to those things. Not anymore. My responsibility is to me, 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 me. The culture of authenticity, another definition, is one where each one of us has his or her own way of realizing our humanity. And it's important to find and live out one's own as against surrendering to conformity with a model imposed on us from outside by society or the previous generation or religious or political authority. Cast them all off. Let you be you. That's our era. Is this sounding like the world you're experiencing? The modern self is one where authenticity is achieved by acting outwardly in accordance with one's inward feelings. I wonder why we're having a national mental health crisis. Our lives aren't based on fact, but fiction. We are ones who believe in fantasies and TikTok videos. We certainly do not accept the way people used to think. They are old, doddering dummies. Dead people knew nothing we get to define for ourselves what is true, what is right, what is good. Is it any wonder we are seeing a fragmented nation? It shouldn't shock us at all. In fact, the division is probably just going to get worse. The increasing social sensitivity to criticizing anyone for their personal lifestyle choice reflects a view of the world where each person is free to perform in whatever way they choose. And any attempt to express disapproval is a blow not simply against particular ways of behaving, but against the right of that person to be ever who they wish to be. You perhaps, because we are still seeing some of the outpouring of anger regarding the Roe v. Wade decision, and, and you'll hear, my body, my body, bodily autonomy, my rights, my life, not a collective not about others, including the baby inside of their womb, but about me. And if you go after something that I want or desire or believe to be true or right, if those words have any meanings, you're coming against me. You're not just debating my thinking. I, I regularly ask this question. Why is it that in our culture we were... We were still willing to question abortion, even when it was made the law of the land, if you will. 
we, we still had public debates about such things. But now regarding gender issues, sexuality issues, we don't. Why? I, I think it's because of the, of the culture, the, the new mm, focus on self demands that you mind your beeswax. And if you question somebody, you're doing more than questioning their thinking or their values. You're questioning them and their rights to autonomy. That's the world that we are living in. The increasing social sensitivity to criticizing anyone for their personal lifestyle choices is because we are living in a self-centered society that used to be about others. The sexual revolution does not simply represent a growth in the routine transgression of traditional sexual codes or even modest expansion of the boundaries of what is and is not acceptable sexual behavior. No, rather... It is the repudiation of the very idea of such codes in their entirety. More than that, it has come in certain areas, such as that of homosexuality and transgenderism, to require the positive repudiation of traditional sexual mores to the point where belief in or maintenance of such views has come to be seen as ridiculous and even a sign of serious mental or moral deficiency. How is it that those of us who say, sorry, you're born a pink or blue, are now the ones with mental illness when 30 years ago, 50 years ago, certainly it was just the opposite. It is because of the rise of the autonomous self and that I define what is good, right, and true for me. And you cannot stand in the way of that. Incidentally, we see this manifested everywhere. It's not just in gender issues. It is in relationships between parents and kids while parent while kids are so willing to cast off parents what, because they're trying to control me. They, they just want me to live like them and I want to live like me. We see it with texting and driving. <laughs> sure, I could kill you, but I've got a text to send here. This is all self driven society outpourings of a worldview that is just plain different than a Christian understanding. Obviously, Western society still has sexual codes and places limits on sexual behavior, like pedophilia continues to be outlawed, probably not for long. But those limits are increasingly defined not so much by the sex acts themselves as by the issue of whether the parties involved have consented to those acts. Have you seen the debates? Was it consent? Can a 17-year-old consent? Can a 12-year-old consent? Nambla would say, yeah, they can. Therefore, man-boy love, thumbs up. Because it is not about the act itself. It is about self. It is about individual expression of their inner being. Freud, who ultimately is a part of this unfolding philosophical story, will be thrilled at the sexual revolution success. That you get to act the way that you want. Don't be conformed to other. Be Make yourself happy. Make yourself feel the way that you actually are. Freud would be thrilled to pieces. 
The limits are increasingly defined not so much by the sex acts themselves as by the issue of whether the parties involved have consented. Notice what the sexual revolution has done. It has brought us to the point where sexual acts in themselves are seen as having no intrinsic moral significance. It is the consent, or lack thereof, of those engaging in them that provides the moral framework. In other words, I define it. If I say it's okay, it's okay. This this is why, incidentally, you are seeing an effort to legalize prostitution. These women choose that lifestyle. Now, we all know a little bit better, but not if you are devoid of any common sense, because you're informed by this framework of self. They're simply living their truth. Sure, they get paid for it, but it's their decision to do that. Sure, she's shacking up with a guy and being used, but that's her choice, and that's empowering. Why? Because she's behaving on the outside how she feels on the inside. Therefore, it's okay. It's not the issue or the act itself. It is one's attitude toward it. Now, if you're thinking at all in this current era, you're probably coming to the conclusion, whoa, that is a recipe for utter anarchy. Yep. The modern self is the fruit of a complicated confluence of cultural factors that can be depressing for those who hope that electing the right politician or appointing the appropriate Supreme Court justice will solve all the world's ills. But it also means that we can begin to think more constructively about how to address the issues that we face. May I ask you to ponder that? You've got a world that has been taught. I am the most important being in the universe. Nothing else matters but me. How do you counter that? Do you perhaps do a Christian philosophy study? Ah, see, we used to think like this and used to act like that, and the GDP was at this level. I don't think so, because you're talking about darkened minds, and the only way for them to be illuminated is with the light of the gospel. Are we living in a wonky world? Yeah, but people are just as lost as they've always been, and people get saved the same way they always have. The proclamation of the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. And while we're still in the midst of summer break, some parents continue trying to find things to keep their children entertained. Well, good news if you live in the Portland area. A summer camp for kids in 4th through 8th grade promises to build your child into the next Julius Caesar or Napoleon Bonaparte. Budding Roses Summer Camp. It sounds so sweet and innocent, doesn't it? And I guess it is if you're raising your child to be a supreme anarchist bent on overthrowing society, then Budding Roses Summer Camp is for you. Some days I just wonder how long is it going to take for this entire world to wake up already? Well, not much longer, it seems, for some woke-tivists if they get their way. There are some who are calling on anthropologists to stop classifying human remains as male or female or by racial ancestry. I mean, I guess if you only have the bones available to you, how can you possibly know what gender or race the person felt like when they died? I don't know why this isn't a thing already. Some people are just not going to understand. Instead of being woke, they would just much rather use their common sense. 
And speaking of woke nonsense, listen to this guy giving a speech. My body, my choice, because the church failed to validate and affirm and give women a seat of authority. Some of you have been under religious spirits for so long, it's hard for you to even say amen. So feminism and abortion are in existence today only because the church didn't put women in authority or let them preach. He also says that some of us are still under religious spirits today if we still feel that way. You know, I receive that. I totally agree with him. And hey, my religious spirit even has a name. It's called biblical sufficiency. So Norway is pretty nutty right now. I told you some weeks back about a feminist who came under fire for making the claim that men can't be lesbians. Christina Ellingson is her name, and now after an apparent investigation, there are other comments that have been uncovered that she made, like men can't be mothers, or men can't be women in general. And for those comments that are being called hate speech, she faces three years in prison. In Norway, apparently telling the truth is hate speech that will land you in prison. It must be an incredibly pleasant place to live. A pro-life Christian who was fired by South Woke, I mean Southwest Airlines, for expressing her constitutionally protected views has been awarded $5.1 million in a lawsuit against the airline. It's been a long road for Charlene Carter. She was fired in 2017 by Southwest because she spoke against union member dues being used for pro-abortion things. And so she was fired, but now justice, some five years later, has been served. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Lexicon Faith is not a force we harness or a feeling we get. True biblical faith consists of three things. Knowledge of the truth, agreement with the truth, and a trust in the true God. There is no power in faith itself. The power is in the one we put our faith in. Are you trusting in Christ or in something that cannot deliver? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How now do we live in the world of the autonomous self? This is Wretched Radio. A week ago, started to consider the manifestations of the worldview that says you're the center of your own universe and you need to live in any way that makes you happy because that's the real you that is inside of you. So don't worry about externals, morals, values, tradition, theology, beliefs, cast them all off so that you can be you. That's the world we live in. It's not unique. The world used to look like this before Christianity. Now, they had different government systems, different economic systems that were really oppressive. Even so, a collective, you can believe in whatever God you want to. That's why there's a pantheon of deities. Pick your God. Pick your preference. So this ideology is nothing new. It was, however, defeated and suppressed by Christian thinking as the gospel went forth into Western civilization. But as of late, courtesy of really bad godless philosophies, which we will continue to tackle in Carl Truman's book, Strange New World, we are living now in a, in a society that is Isaiah 5. Right is wrong, black is white, light is darkness. It was philosophical systems that made their way into cultural thinking, into popular thinking, 
that have now taken full root. How do we live? Interesting article from the American thinker, Ulrich Zwingli. You remember that fellow, don't you? He's one of the unsung Protestant reformers, although he was a key player and influencer. He resided in Zurich, not Geneva. That was John Calvin's territory. In the meantime, up in Germany, you had yourself Martin Luther. You also in England had great men of God like Tyndale and Wycliffe. There were many great reformers, Ulrich Zwingli, one of them, and yet He's an interesting character who has much to teach today. If anybody could be considered a Christian nationalist, it would probably be Ulrich Zwingli. Ulrich Zwingli, now let's let's remember history is always a little bit tricky. When we go back in time, we need to recognize there are cultural influences. There's a historical arc that is taking place while God writes church history So there are reasons for this. It's not like the guy was bonkers. It's because he came out of an era and a time where the Roman Catholic Church was the government. They were as involved politically as any president or emperor. They were, it was the Holy Roman Empire. And so these nations, yes, they had kings and queens, but they were submitting to the Pope. They were Roman Catholic nations. In other words, they were a religious nation by definition. You're born in this nation. You're born into that religion. We sprinkle a little water on you. You are in the Roman Catholic Church. And Ulrich Zwingli came out of that era when the Protestant Reformation was going forth, the gospel of grace, the five solas were taking root, and yet the Roman Catholic Church didn't just say, that's fine. Go ahead, boys. Go ahead and take over those areas and 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 you, you just run them any way that you want to. We don't have to be in charge anymore. No, no, no. They fought like nobody's business. And Ulrich Zwingli fought back. Do you know how Ulrich Zwingli died? He was quartered by Roman Catholics because he went to battle with them to keep them out of Zurich so that it could remain a Protestant city. And he was put between four horses, yeah, and ripped in four parts. That's how he died. Today, the, the pundits of our time would say, well, that's a Christian nationalist right there. That's a Christian. We've got to be thinking about that word and the implications of that term. I'm telling you, the semantic range of Christian nationalist is downright dangerous because it ranges from Ulrich Zwingli, This needs to be a Protestant town all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you just simply believe, you know what, America's pretty groovy. You know what, I'll stand up for the national anthem, Christian nationalists and everything in between. Whether you are willing to literally go to war or just put your hand on your heart, you're a Christian nationalist. So this article doesn't dive as much into Christian nationalism as I anticipated, because the words were used in the headline. And by the way, just a shout out, because it is a personal picadillo. If you are an author or a writer, get to it. This guy did. He did a fine job of getting to the point. But so many articles don't. I, it's, it's about Joe Biden. The headline is about Joe Biden. Joe Biden 
falls off of his bicycle. First paragraph. With an economy in shambles and the GDP at the lowest rates in the last 40 years, seeing a stock market that get to the point, we'll try to do just that. Ulrich Zwingli, Christian nationalist, asks the author of this American, oh, it's American reformer. I think I said American thinker. My bad. Bruce Gordon has written a biography on Ulrich Zwingli. In less than 12 hurried years, between the commencement of his preaching in Zurich on January 1, 1519, and his death on October 11, 1531, Zwingli saw the Swiss city of Zurich transformed into a Protestant city, a bastion of orthodoxy, and a refuge for evangelical exiles. Not only did he advocate what the author of this book calls religious bigotry, That's just his term. We're working with it. He believed the civil magistrate was obligated to enforce a puritanical morality on its populace. Okay, that might be warmer to Christian nationalism, where we make everybody act like Christians, even though they're not. But what was really instructive in this article, because it really didn't help us to navigate through how we react to a world that is now saying you Christians are all nationalists, which automatically is a pejorative and you should probably be put in jail. Instead, he dives into how did this happen? How did Reformation take root in Switzerland? Courtesy, there was John Calvin, and there was Ulrich Zwingli. So he did a study on the life of Ulrich Zwingli, and he came up with signs, if you will, how Reformation took place. One, we want to see reformation in this land. I'm not talking about Christian nationalism. I'm talking about genuine reformation. It prioritizes preaching. Zwingli's reforming work in Zurich was inextricably tied to the public preaching of the word of God. He was a preacher doing consecutive expositions through books of the Bible. Latin scholars, Lectio Continua. You know what that means. You can, you can hear it. Ongoing, continual lecturing and teaching. Advocated by his mentor, Erasmus, and practiced by John Chrysostom and others. His goal was always to call my... Sorry, I know what this paragraph says. And this is a big deal these days. This is this is a really big deal. His goal in preaching was always to, quote, call my flock absolutely away as far as I can from hope in any created being to the one true God and Jesus, his only begotten Son, our Lord. Do you deliver preaching like that, sir? Or does Jesus tend to be an add-on? get tacked on the end because, oops, I haven't mentioned Jesus yet. Because even though you've been expositing and doing Lectio Continua, you are not pointing your people to Christ. Question, are you sitting under preaching that points you to Jesus? What caused Reformation in Switzerland was a preaching that didn't just teach. It was a preaching that pointed and stirred and moved people to love Jesus more. I was, I was just with Dr. Dale Johnson. I sure hope he doesn't mind me saying this publicly. We were, I think we were having dinner, and it involved a lot of olives. It wasn't at the Olive Garden. They just, we had a plate of olives. You either love them or you hate them. 
I happen to love them. So we're enjoying this meal, and he was talking about when he got saved. That I, it had something to do with being, they, he was like in a, at a Mormon, they were using the campus, he was a baseball player, so they were using the baseball field on a Mormon university, and he used it to witness pe- to people, Mormons specifically, and he said, God so stirred my heart for concern for them, and, and he said this, and it wasn't sissy sounding, it wasn't feminized and gloppy, he said, and my love for Jesus just just went off the charts. That's what preaching should do. We don't want to be Christian nationalists forcing people to believe in Christian values. That does them very little good, certainly no good for eternity. Instead, if we want to see reformation in our time, we need preaching, but not just any preaching. It should be expositional, but it should point people to Jesus. This is Wretched Radio. Thanks to our partners, we were able to create channels of food supplies from neighboring countries of Moldova and Romania. Over 45 tons of non-perishable food supplies were brought in and delivered to thousands of people for small towns and cities that suffered from the war. That is our dear brother Max from the Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine continuing to preach the gospel, opening up kids clubs where they can and, because of the war, providing resources, providing food and shelter and prayer and, of course, the gospel to people who are in need. If you have never considered supporting Tomorrow Clubs, this might be the right time. You are needed in Ukraine. Tomorrow Clubs will do the work. They will take care of the distribution. They just need the resources. Would you please consider providing them? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. The war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, is firebombed. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasound, providing counseling, 
providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Bread of Life. Just as God gave life to his people in the desert by providing manna, so Jesus gives life to his people through his body broken on the cross, which we remember in the breaking of the bread in communion. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Would you like to see autonomous selves changed? This is Wretched Radio, living in an era where all that matters is me. How do we break through? How do we tear down these strongholds that have been built over centuries that have led us to conclude we don't care about history, tradition, values, morals, theology, teaching. None of it matters. What matters is that I am able to express myself. How are you going to fix that? I think the answer is found in an article that was focusing a bit on Ulrich Zwingli potentially being what we would call today a Christian nationalist because he did try to make sure that everybody in his there was an uh, ah in Switzerland they are called oh not fiefdoms not territories there's some sort of Swiss name for it in his area a Bruchstein that's it it's called Bruchsteins. I'm uh, making that up, but sounds right to me. I I didn't think most people are speaking fluent Swiss these days. Riggs <laughs> Wingley, he did want it to be a Christian-run territory. Dow, it's a realm, it's a regency, it's a, a state, territory, something. He wanted it to be run in a Christian fashion. That that could rightly define what Christian nationalism actually is. It's far more than patriotism. It's far more than believing in American exceptionalism. It would be an imposing of religious values onto people who don't believe them. Ulrich Zwingli seemed to dig that. That's not the focus, however, of an article from American Reformer, which did a study on the life of Ulrich Zwingli based on a book by Bruce Gordon, This Protestant reformer can teach us much about Reformation. Setting Christian nationalism aside, how did the gospel catch on? How did more and more people voluntarily submit to the rule of King Jesus? And he cites a number of key contributors to cultural Reformation. And these are indicators of what we need today. If we want to see these strongholds of postmodernism torn down and lickety-split fast, number one, Ulrich Zwingli preached continually. So did Calvin. So did Luther. These guys weren't just busy sending screeds to the Pope. They were students. They were studiers who preached the word constantly. I can't remember the number. I'm sure Steve Lawson could. John Calvin preached like eight or 12 times a week. A week. And interestingly, not a ton of sermon prep went into those homilies. Why? Because he knew his Bible that well. He was also exceptional, even so. 
There was a whole lot of preaching going on, and so too did Ulrich Zwingli spend a lot of time in the pulpit, but he didn't just preach. Listen to this description. His goal in preaching was to call my flock absolutely away as far as I can from hope in any created being to the one true God and Jesus' only begotten Son. While he was not afraid to denounce injustice or make passionate appeals for social change, the heartbeat of Zwingli's preaching was, this might surprise you, joy in Christ. Don't know if you've read more of the of the, of the Puritans than just their rather fiery stuff. The Puritans wrote books on the subject of having joy in Jesus. And <laughs> we have so much to learn from them. How they went about the business of just talking about the joy of Jesus. I was just listening to a Paul Washer podcast. They're not very long, about 12, 15 minutes long. And he was quoting a dead Puritan that I I didn't know. But he, he was talking about preaching that stirs, that moves, that brings about joy. That, that, that if I simply, I'm paraphrasing, the writer said, if I simply put pen to paper, then, then, then I have some literature. But if my subject matter is Jesus, then I'm doing something important and transcendent because I am pointing you, dear reader, to the one who is worthy of our constant consideration. This is not an unusual way for old dead guys to preach. They did preach about joy in Jesus, and I don't see a lot of that these days. I really don't. I see a lot of really fine preaching. I actually listened to a sermon just the other day from a, he's not yet a master sem grad. And he tackled the text beautifully. And he wove Jesus throughout the fabric of his exposition. I was so thrilled. I was like, dude, way to go, man. It's not just, and if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know what you're missing. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, no, the joy that is in Jesus Christ. That was the focus of Ulrich Zwingli's preaching, which contributed to genuine societal reformation. Why? Because reformation isn't overthrowing a government. Christian reformation is that people's hearts are transformed, that they are renewed in their thinking because their believing has been changed by God himself through the proclamation of the word. If we want to see this nation change, haven't we learned yet it takes time to really change a nation? If you wonder, how is it that we got here where we are now thinking that up is down and down is up? It didn't happen overnight. It took effort. And if we want to see Reformation, Christian Reformation, we want to see souls saved. It means preaching about the joy of Jesus. No contemporary reformer spoke so frequently and fervently about the joy of a Christian. Swingley said, all our work who preach the gospel consists only in preaching how we find the assurance of our salvation in the death of the living Son of God. No wonder why we have so many people wondering if they're saved. Zwingli focused on that. Your salvation is outside of you. Look to Christ. Your feelings are virtually irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Look to Jesus. Look at the one who died on the cross. Look at the one who rose from the grave. Look at the one who ascended into heaven. Look at the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
He's your hope. He's your salvation. And he's trustworthy. He's never lied. By the way, he can't. Trust Jesus, not your feelings, not yourself. I wonder if that's why we see so many people lacking assurance today. To the degree the Reformation of Zurich was successful, its success began with and was sustained by the preaching of the word. Number two, Reformation demands patience. We've got to take a long view in this. Patience is the logical posture of every zealous reformer. Maybe we should use the word evangelist. If Zwingli had unloaded all his convictions during his first sermon, denouncing everything that was wrong with Zurich and everything that needed to change, he would not have lasted long. Patience meant prioritizing certain principles of Scripture and proceeding persistently, but only insofar as the word would support it. So we must be patient, too. He did not crash all of the icons day one. He gave it time. For many, his patience looked like compromise. By the way, if you haven't seen my Breaking Bread episode with Daryl Harrison, you should. One of his finer points was that we learn to lose arguments, not that we give the argument up or that we say, no, you're okay. I've changed my mind. You're right. I'm wrong. No, you just don't fight. You don't engage. You don't have to win that battle. Win the war. Ulrich Zwingli sometimes looked like a compromiser. His fiercest local detractors were not the Catholic sympathizing residents of Zurich who opposed evangelical reforms, but the rural preachers, iconoclast, pacifists, and Anabaptists who insisted on a complete and immediate reformation of the church without delay. Pastor, be patient. Christian, let's be patient. You're not going to see the world change on a dime. It doesn't work that way. All you can do is affect those around you. Preach the gospel. Point them to Jesus. Number three, reformation requires friendships. No man is an island. No reformer ever succeeded alone. It's a shame that so much division is taking place these days inside of conservative Christianity. We do need one another. We do need the support of one another. We don't need to agree on every single secondary subject. We do need to agree on some secondary subjects, definitely on primary subjects. But we do need each other. Finally, if we're going to learn from Ulrich Zwingli, Reformation transforms community. The most controversial and lasting impact of Zwingli's Reformation in Zurich, however, was his commitment to the moral transformation of the community as a means of reform. The notion that reformation would have only extended to the private faith of individuals was unthinkable. He said it's personal, never private. That's contra- contrary to the autonomous self worldview that dominates our world. Reformation that dealt only with the internal affairs of the church and stopped short of the external affairs of society was not true reformation. What modern ears can only hear as religious bigotry, coercion of ideas, and puritanical morality, Zwingli understood to be basic aspects of love of neighbor and honor of God. Do we impose those? No. Uh-uh. That's what Pharisees do. But if we want to see reformation that starts on the inside and then works its way out, we need to preach the word and specifically pointing to the word himself. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.